Hey, I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. And this is Forward Farming. Hey guys, welcome back to Forward Farming. It is me again. <laughs> uh, don't worry, you aren't going to have me alone forever. <laughs> this week we are doing something um, a little bit different. So back in uh, July, I went on On the Front Porch podcast with Mary and Angela. And if you guys aren't listening to them already, if you if you love this podcast, you are going to love Mary and Angela. They are just two best friends who have really great conversations um, about rural about rural living and, and all the joys and struggles that come with that too. Um, so they invited me on the podcast end of July um, and we kind of sat down and I talked about uh, everything going on during my pregnancy and working on the marsh, um, some of the mental struggles I faced and how I overcame that. And it was a really great mental health episode. Um, so I think I just saw that Monday was like Mental Health Awareness Day or something. So this is a good episode to kind of tie in all of that good stuff. And plus, we might as well just stick with a pregnancy theme since we have so many episodes about it already. <laughs> uh, so I promise, I promise you guys, if you're getting sick of this, we're we're almost through some of it. Through, we're almost through the thick of it. Um, so that's kind of what's on tap for today. Um, Hopefully Becca can. Hopefully Becca will be back next week. We'll um, we're still trying to figure our schedules out. It's it's been a little hectic, <laughs> so I know I know she has a a ton of stuff going on. So be nice to her and and uh, send her a friendly little note if you get a chance and tell her hi and that you miss her. Um, so uh, this is already a pretty long episode, so I will just kind of get right into it. Um, again, this is from On the Front Porch podcast, and they were kind enough to send me the audio file from their episode, all edited and stuff, um, so we could share it with you guys too, because it's just that, well, they tell me it was that good of an episode. I don't want to humble brag or anything, but um, again, it's a very great episode on mental health. So without further ado, here is Mary, Angela, and I from On the Front Porch podcast the biggest thing I wish I would have known going into this was you're not alone in this journey. Being kind of secluded in a rural area, you feel like you don't have a support system. There comes a point where like you just need to talk to someone. There are so many people out there that are like, yeah, I know exactly what you're going through or like, I know, I know exactly (laughs) what you're feeling. And I know that anxiety. I know that, that unknowing feeling and it, it does suck, but it does get a lot better. Hey y'all, welcome to The Front Porch. I'm Angela. And I'm Mary, and we're so glad you're here. All too often, the rural way of life can lead us to feel disconnected and unseen. We're here to make you feel connected, seen, and above all, to let you know how appreciated you are. On this podcast, you will hear stories of women who are real, relatable, and raw. Women who make you feel invited, connected, and celebrated. Women who will inspire you and encourage you to step into the fullness of life while navigating the challenges and toasting to the milestones. The Front Porch is a gathering place for our community. This Front Porch is the place where we will get to dig deep, laugh hard, cry a little, and love a lot. So come sit with us. Let's do life together. Hey y'all, this week we are on the front porch with our friend Amber Bristow. You might know her as Cranberry Chats on Instagram. Um, Amber, thank you so much for being with us today. Can you tell us, first things first, we're sitting on the front porch. What are you sipping on? What's in your glass? Yeah, of course. Well, I am pregnant right now, so I just have a big old bottle of water with me tonight. So nothing too exciting, but I threw a little lemon in there just to spice things up. Oh, wow. (laughs) My husband hates fruit in his water or like cucumber water, anything. So if we ever go out to a restaurant and they put a water down with fruit in it, you will see me reach over and yank it out and just throw it in my water. So he doesn't have to deal with it. (laughs) 
Boys are so difficult. They make everything 10 times harder. I know. That's also like, I never knew that about Lyle. We've, I, the four of us have gone out to dinner. Like, I don't even know how many times. And I had never known that, knew that about Lyle. That's funny. I, I also like, <laughs> I love that. You're like, I'm drinking water. I spiced it up with some lemon. I'm like, Oh, so much to look forward to about pregnancy. Yes, <laughs> there really is. Amber, will you, in your own words, will you, for anybody who might not know you yet, introduce yourself and tell us what you do for a living? Yeah. So I am a fifth generation Wisconsin cranberry grower. So I, um, my family grows cranberries for ocean spray. So if you've ever seen the commercials, we're not in them yet. We're, we're working on it. So our family's cranberry marsh has been in operation for over 100 years now. We have 230 acres of just plain old cranberries. We can't grow anything else out here. So that's kind of all we have. We're kind of in like a swampy, marshy area. Um, And our soil is very acidic, can't support like other crops like corn or soybeans or anything. So thankfully, cranberries love this kind of uh, environment. And we are just super blessed and very fortunate to have this very unique livelihood out here. So I grew up kind of just shadowing my dad around the marsh. He married into the family business. So it's through my mom's side. And I just remember growing up thinking that this was just the coolest thing ever. I loved being outside and just kind of shadowing him and following him around. But when it came time for me to go to school, I also really enjoyed sports. So I was big into volleyball and softball and I wanted to pursue a career in baseball. So I went to school for sports management because what else do farmers go to school for? Um, so I did that and I worked in minor league baseball and a couple other baseball teams. And that's where I wound up meeting my husband. Um, that was almost 10 years ago now, (laughs) which is crazy to think about. But, uh, so I found love through baseball on and off the field, which was great, but I just felt like I didn't really belong in that type of environment. There was just always this pull to come back home and as much as I loved baseball, you know, it, it burnt me out and I, it was a lot of work, you know, farming's hard, but this was also a lot of work that I just couldn't see myself going forward with. And I uh, came back and had a conversation with my parents and I said, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to come back home and work. Is that okay? And I think my dad was much more agreeable right away than my mom. My mom was a little hesitant, you know, bringing her daughter back home to work on the marsh to do quote unquote, like the man's work. Um, but she eventually agreed. And I've been out here now full time for four years, almost five years now coming up this harvest season. So it's been great. I work alongside my dad. My husband is now out here working with us. My grandma lives right across the driveway from me. My parents are in my backyard. It's literally a whole family hands-on operation. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. That's so much fun. I, I was going to ask if your husband like works on the farm too. Um, Mm -hmm. what was that transition like for him? Was he a country boy before that? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's a good question. I ask him this every once in a while. I'm like, you're still okay being out here. Right. Um, so I think the biggest adjustment for him, he, he grew up in like a smaller city. So he's not like a Chicago type guy. So he, he loves the outdoors. So when we first started dating and I brought him out here, I told him up front, I said, this is what my plan is to come back home and and take things over. And if you're not okay with that, then hit the road, Jack. I don't want to waste my time with you. <laughs> Good job. Good so, job. Clear <laughs> expectations from the start. I love that. Right. <laughs> so once he kind of saw all of the wooded area that we have his mind went straight to hunting. And I think that's kind of what sold him on our relationship. Honestly, was like, Ooh, if I marry her, I'm going to have all this area to hunt and it's going to be so great. (laughs) He, he fell in love with the industry as well. And he kind of did his own thing as well. I didn't want to force this on him by any means. And I kind of left it up to him. I was like, you know, if you want to come out here and work, you're going to have to ask my parents for their permission. Like, this isn't my place to say like, Oh yeah, come on out. Like, I'd love to have you No, like, you need to talk to my dad about this. So he waited, um, probably until a year, a year and a half after we got married before he had that conversation with my parents. And they said, yeah, if you can handle working with us and and living with us (laughs) more power to you. So he started, um, during harvest time 
as well. So nothing like just jumping right into it. And he's been out here for coming on two years now. So he also fell in love with the industry and he's doing a great job at kind of picking things up off the fly and trying to keep up with me. So it's been a lot of fun. Good for him. First of all, I want to say congratulations to you and your family for farming for over a hundred years. I think you're like the second or third person we've had on here that, I mean, we should create a century club for the rural housewives. <laughs> yeah, that's that awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Mary. So I'm not in the family farming, but if you've listened to our podcast, my family has also been farming for over a hundred years in the Central Valley of California. But what I think is super cool is that you said your dad like married into the cranberry world (laughs) and your husband also married into the cranberry (laughs) world. So it's a legacy through the females of the family, Mm -hmm. which we don't see that very often, almost in anything. We don't see that often, even like if you're talking about breeding like cows or horses, it's always through the male. It's Mm -hmm. always, you're naming things after the male, same with like marriage in the Western world. You're always taking the husband's last name, but here, I just think that's so cool. My husband, like he says, I'm like a closet feminist, which is fine. I think, um, (laughs) everybody should be create like treated equal. Yeah. So I think that is just so cool. So y'all, you've been here for a while, you know, what's coming next, but (laughs) Amber, I don't know if you know. So do you know that game? Two truths and a lie. Yes. Okay. So we don't lie here, uh, but we do want to know two truths about you. Off the top of my head. I am terrified of dolphins. I hate them. I think they're disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to any dolphin lovers out there, but I, I don't like them. Um, I love how you just had that like so ready. <laughs> Did you ever see there was um, something on Discovery Channel? I think they aired it during Shark Week or which is weird because it's a dolphin, but they aired it during like the day during Shark Week before they hit their like new stuff. There was a study that they did trying to see if dolphins could learn our language. Ugh, and I don't... So they had um, <laughs> one, two, three dolphins and one or two humans living together. Like they weren't, the humans weren't living underwater, but they like, there was water throughout their area. So the dolphins could swim with them, like as they walked into the kitchen or whatever it was, it was very interesting to just go through that um, documentary and see how humans and dolphins bonded. That's all I'm going to say. If I have nightmares tonight, I'm coming back here (laughs) and I am, I'm definitely blaming you for, for the cause of this, because that is disgusting. (laughs) That's too much like planet of the apes. Like we know how this goes. I don't, I'm just imagining dolphins taking over the world someday. It's (laughs) like off that Simpsons episode. Yes. I mean, and I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> as soon as they learn to exist on land, we're probably done for. Honestly. <laughs> uh, kind of going off of that, though, I watched a documentary on Netflix. It was like, I think it was called My Octopus Teacher. And it was about this guy that spent literally 365 days following this octopus around. I think he was in Australia, but he found like this one little octopus and he just followed it every single day, like learned its habits and like all, like it was just the entire life cycle of this octopus and he got super bonded with it. And this octopus would recognize him and come up and like greet him like a dog every day. They were saying in this documentary that their lifespan is so short because if they lived any longer, they would be way smarter than humans, which is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) There was a master plan. (laughs) Yeah, but um, if you're if you're ever bored and looking for something interesting to watch, that's a good documentary to check out. Huh. I don't even know how to feel about that. Yeah, it, it's very, <laughs> anyway. There's um, so weird guys, stuff going on in the ocean that we don't know anything about. Yeah, we've yeah. only explored 5% of the oceans. But did you guys see that, that um, there's an octopus that escaped its <laughs> habitat? or tank and they put it back in and he kept doing it or something like that. Did you guys see that? Yeah. They're crazy (laughs) smart. It's yeah. And it's also kind of like, was it finding Nemo? Which one was it when they had to escape with an octopus? I think that was in like the second finding Nemo or finding Dory or something. 
Yeah, there it is. Cartoons, I know a lot about them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, my second truth. Okay, so my grandma was born in 1941. My mom was born in 1961. I was born in 1991, and I'm having a baby in 2021. So that's also a fun little, <laughs> a fun little tradition that we have going on out here. That's that is so cool. <laughs> Unpla- was that unplanned? Um, I kind of told Dan, I was like, you know, if we're going to have a baby, it needs to happen this year. (laughs) So, I mean, we weren't like putting a ton of pressure on it, but I'm just kind of glad it worked out that way. That is super cool. Okay. So Cranbabe, right? Is what we're Mm -hmm. calling little baby. When is Cranbabe due? August 25th. So we are coming up very, very quickly (laughs) to that. How do you feel? Um, I'm excited to not be pregnant anymore, but I'm... (laughs) I'm a little nervous. Like every once in a while, it'll just kind of hit me like, oh my goodness, like this could, I could literally go anytime. And like today, for example, I was out mowing the lawn and I have to tape my belly up so it doesn't like bounce around on the lawnmower too much because that hurts. (laughs) (laughs) And it was towards the end of the day and all of a sudden my lawnmower just died. Like it just stopped. And I'm trying to call like Dan, I call him a couple of times, my husband, and then I call my dad and no one's answering their phone. And I'm like, I'm almost 35 weeks pregnant. None of you people are answering my calls. What is wrong with you? I'm going to need like a life alert button. So if I do go into labor randomly, <laughs> at least someone will be there to help me. So I don't have to just squat in a ditch by myself. <laughs> okay. First, first, this is your first baby, correct? Yes. This is my first baby. Okay. Uh, what were you most excited about when you found out you were pregnant? I was most excited just to be pregnant. Honestly, it was, it was something that I was kind of a little nervous about going into it. We had been trying for a little while and I honestly had just gotten back from a doctor's appointment to like check to make sure I didn't have PCOS or anything. Like it was kind of getting to that point where I was getting nervous that it wasn't going to happen. Um, so it was literally within like two or three weeks of that doctor's appointment that I found out. And it was just like a total 180 of everything I had been expecting. And when I did the math and I found out that my due date was also my husband's birthday, I was like, no, that's weird. Like, that's just a weird coincidence. But that, so that was exciting too. So there's just like a lot of emotions going into it. And the night that I told my husband, uh, we were kind of fighting at that time, <laughs> just over something stupid. So when I I like walked out of the bathroom right before we went to bed, I didn't tell him I was taking a test or anything. And I was like, here, I just like handed it to him. (laughs) And he just kind of, he kind of giggled. And then he didn't say anything for the rest of the night. Like he didn't say like, oh, cool. Like, wow, neato. He didn't say anything. And he, he laid down (laughs) in bed and then, um, he just got up like an hour later and went and sat in the living room and like, didn't say like, Oh, I can't sleep. He just got up and left. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to be a single parent because obviously he doesn't want this baby, but I think he was just like, so overwhelmed that it kind of came out of left field. And so he just stayed up all night. And the next morning he's like, so I did all this research. Like you need to start calling the doctor, like around here, you need to start making appointments. Like I found these prenatals that I ordered for you. Like, and then, so the next day he was totally fine and excited, but it was just kind of like, and I slept great that night. I was like, well, I'm going to have to do this on my own. So like, screw him. (laughs) Like, we'll see you later. (laughs) I love that his <laughs> yeah. mechanism to like being overwhelmed is like, okay, I'm just going to research the snot out of this and try to be as prepared as possible. And that is how he copes with stress apparently. <laughs> yeah. And, and my coping mechanism is I sleep. I say a lot that I'm like a fainting goat. If I get too overwhelmed, I just sleep. That's just, <laughs> that's just how I handle things. So we ask everybody this, do you know your Enneagram type? Yes, I am a six. And what is your husband? Do you know? He also says he's a six, but he might also be five. He he's more of a five than a six, I think. Same. I was, I'm I'm right there with you guys. Five wing six. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, oh, I need to be prepared and I need to research. Mm-hmm. So you being a six, did you have were like you scared about anything? Did you have any things that you were like, I need to prepare for this. This is what I need to do because you know X, Y, and Z. 
Yeah, I think so. Like we were on the tail end of COVID when this all happened. So I found out in December. So when I called to make that first appointment, they didn't want me to come in until like 12 weeks, I think. So I couldn't even go in for like a blood test just to confirm. So like that first 12 weeks or whatever, I had no idea. Like, I was like, like, you can't feel anything. You do. Like, I didn't feel much different, like, other than my skin breaking out like a teenager. I had no idea, really. So it was very, it was kind of, it was nerve wracking. And then once during that appointment, you got to hear the heartbeat and then it kind of sinks in a little bit. So that was nervous. That was, that was not fun. But other than that, I try not to do a lot of research <laughs> because I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know what like childbirth was going to be like. I didn't want to know what my symptoms are going to be. I didn't like download an app right away to like start tracking things. I wanted to wait until after that doctor's appointment to confirm things before I really got like my heart set on things. So it was almost like the first 12 weeks, I almost didn't feel like I was pregnant. I just kind of like kept it in the back of my mind. So if worst case scenario, it didn't turn out, I wouldn't be so upset about it, which is a very sixth thing to do. I feel like just not think about it and worry about it when it comes. Since then, I've done a little bit more research. Obviously, you have to take these birthing classes and stuff, and that's very eye-opening. <laughs> um, but I, I think a lot of the fear was replaced with excitement for me anyway. I can't speak for Dan, but it's starting to feel a lot more real. I'm, I'm just excited for it to be over and, and to, to finally just hold the baby and, and know that everything is safe and that all the things that I can't control are now in my control, which makes me feel a little bit better and, and scared at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. That's like the blessing and the curse of being in control is like, yay, you're in control, but oh crap, you're in control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say like, you can't like blame other forces. If something goes wrong, like you're in control now, if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. I, I enjoy that kind of pressure. I don't like leaving those types of things up to, up to fate as much. <laughs> that's actually, I feel like that's understandable. And even though I'm a three, but my security number is a six um, as a three. So I feel like I can relate to that part of your personality. And that is why, like, I know we, I said this before we started recording, but I'll say it for everybody who's listening. Like I, that's actually one of the things that like worries me so much about not worries me, but like, I, I joke that like, if I didn't have to be pregnant, we would already have kids because all of the things that are like out of your control with pregnancy or the changes that you have to make to your lifestyle during pregnancy, those are the things that I think kind of overwhelm me. So like, honestly, watching you has been so encouraging because you literally make it look so easy to be pregnant and farm. Like, I, And so I would love to know if anything, what have been some struggles of, because ultimately we want to talk about like, you know, pregnancy on the farm. Mm -hmm. What have been some struggles of, or changes you've had to make during this pregnancy? That was a really hard adjustment for me to kind of come to terms with. So like my boss is my dad. I'm, I'm the only girl in this family on this side of the family. And I'm the youngest too. And this is like the first grandbaby out here. So there's a lot of pressure on me not to screw that the baby up. <laughs> like this whole thing, like there's been a lot of pressure for me just to do nothing. And that has been so difficult. Very fortunate, obviously, like I would much rather have that than being pushed to the limit and, and feeling like trash every day. So it was very difficult for me because I've spent this entire time trying to prove <clears throat> like my worth out here that I can pull the same type of weight that these guys are pulling sometimes physically, <laughs> like I try to keep up with them physically, obviously, but obviously I can't uh, quite do everything that they can just in other ways to uh, mentally trying to find my own place. And I felt like a lot of those, a lot of my responsibilities that I once had were stripped from me. And that was very hard for me to come to terms with because I felt useless. I felt like I, like I didn't have anything to contribute out here anymore. And, and without my job, like I don't have much. We're, we're literally like 15 miles from the closest city. Like I don't, I don't have a life outside of, out of cranberries. So when I can't do stuff, it was very, 
it was very discouraging. Um, but then I, I kind of have to realize like, you know, you are doing a very important role. You're growing a human. Like these guys can't do that. So readjust your sights and figure out something that you can do during this time that they can't do. Um, so a lot of that has been time spent in the office, kind of learning more of like the business side of things that, uh, I might not have had enough time for otherwise. So learning how to do like, um, bookkeeping and, and keeping records and that kind of thing. So (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It sucked. Like for the longest time, it was just hard to come to terms with not physically doing my job, but. I also needed that constant reassurance from my dad or like Dan that I was still doing something, even though it felt like everything got rearranged. And so there are a lot of days when it was like, oh, you need to stay in inside today. Like we're going to go out and do this. You need, you, you can just stay home and rest. Like, that's a very, you're like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to do that but I am tired. So I'm just going to take a nap. Like, thanks for the opportunity to take a nap. I'm going to take full advantage of that. Like, again, I'm very, I'm very lucky that I have that support system here to encourage me to just rest when, when I can and still do things when I can. I think the most important thing that I had to keep reminding them was I'm pregnant. I'm not handicapped. Like I'm not, I'm still physically able to walk around and do stuff. So don't treat me like I'm handicapped, just treat me like I'm pregnant. So I think that was a hard thing for them to understand too. But um, I think we're at a place now where uh, we all parties know my limitations. And, and I think we're kind of okay with that for right now. I think it's, I I really want to highlight something that you just talked about. And that is, um, how do I, how do I put this so it doesn't sound wrong? But um, how you talked about feeling worthless, and this is something mm-hmm. that Angela and I have talked about. Um, have like separating your identity from your job. Yeah. Um, because you might not be what your job is forever, and um, like you are not your job. Your job is not you, and it's separate. And I. I struggle with that or struggled with that. I think Angela struggled with that. I think it's something that everybody struggles with because what are we asked when we're little? What do you want to be when you grow up? And if you Mm -hmm. answer happy, they say, oh, you didn't understand the question. I think it's something that we need to talk more about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Angela, maybe we put this on the schedule for a podcast episode. Oh yeah. (laughs) Or like an entire season because I'm not going to get us off on too far of a tangent, but that this is another one of my insecurities about pregnancy someday is if I can't do the things that I do today, I don't know who I am. And Mm -hmm. that might be a little bit too raw for, you know, everybody to hear, but it is what it is. So in my former life, I was a, an animal, a beef pharmaceutical sales rep. And when I moved to Texas and married my husband, I had to quit that job. And my mom was like, well, maybe just like, you know, move and plan the wedding and wait to look for a job until after the wedding. And I was like, but if I'm not an employee, then like, who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when I realized that I, that's when I realized I had a problem. I think I've always been that way, but I didn't realize it till about a year ago. So I am a super work in progress in that department. But yes, a lot of, I feel like a lot of us do find our identity in, in what we do rather than who we are. And I, I love the way that you were able to kind of flip the script and, and you were like, okay, but I, but I am doing good things. I I'm making a baby. I'm making an entire person. And Mm -hmm. like, it's super, that is so important that nobody else can do that. Nobody else around here can do that. And I, and I'm doing that and I have to take that seriously. And just because it doesn't look like what everybody else is doing, doesn't mean it's not important. Right. And I think it's especially difficult for farmers to kind of separate themselves from their work too, especially people that have grown up on their farm. Like they don't know, they don't know life without farming. So it, it goes hand in hand. Like you said, with your identity being your job, like it's not, it's not just a job. It's literally your entire livelihood. It's what, it's the only thing, you know, and, and that's, and that's 
cool, but also very terrifying at the same time. Because again, if for some reason there's like a fiery tornado that just destroyed everything, who are you the next day? Yeah. (laughs) You know, so I've kind of gone through that rebuilding process, you know, like you, like you were just talking about where you're so obsessed with your job and then all of a sudden it's gone. You're like, well, shoot, like, what do I do now? Do I have a purpose? I thought that was my purpose. Who am I without, without that? So I've, I've been through both sides and it, it's, it's not fun having that, that kind of helpless, oh shoot, no, now what do I do if I don't have this kind of feeling? So that's a deep conversation <laughs> uh, that you could spend a lot of time going through. Definitely. And I, again, I'm, I feel like it probably stems back from, you know, just young age. Like, what do you want to be when you grow mm-hmm. up? I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to edit out all of my, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Child psychology. I, now I'm like, now I'm getting all these different episode ideas, like, you know, identity, but also child psychology and mm-hmm. just so many. Oh, okay. Tangents over promise. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I really think that change in your mindset is really cool. It, I mean, it's really good. It's a lot, it's something that a lot of people can't do, or when they finally do it, it's like, well, you should have thought about that like three mm-hmm. months ago, that sort of thing. But I mean, it's never too late to have that better outlook, that better mindset. So what are some, I guess, other good things that have happened to you or or biggest blessing that you've had during this season? Like during my pregnancy season? Yes. Sorry. Sometimes I'm confusing. No, you're fine. (laughs) Um, at the time it didn't seem like a big blessing, but I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes during my 20 week appointment. And I had, that was something that I didn't really have much of an understanding on. So basically that's just like diabetes during pregnancy. So your body doesn't break down the sugars as quickly as it does while you're not pregnant from what I understand. So there's, there's all the sugar in your body and the, the sugar that doesn't get burned off needs to go somewhere. So it goes straight to the baby and it makes, it pretty much just causes babies to be born very large. (laughs) And I'm, I'm not that big of a gal. I mean, I'm like five, four. The thought of having a 10 pound baby come out of me was terrifying. (laughs) So at, at the time when I kind of got the results, it was a very, it was a, it was a crummy feeling because even though it's not your fault, it, it couldn't have been prevented. That's like your immediate thought process is like, oh my gosh, like I did this to myself. I know I wasn't eating the best, but like those cravings, I just want an ice cream all the time. Like, damn it. <laughs> Maybe if I would have switched to yogurt instead of ice cream, this wouldn't have happened. But as soon as I found out that I could control this, it was in my control. If I just changed up my diet um, and cut out a lot of carbs um, and a lot of unnecessary sugar, then you're kind of back on track. And I, and I, I took that very seriously and I ended up losing weight, which I didn't know was possible during pregnancy, but I, I wound up losing like 10 pounds, I think in two weeks, just by cutting out carbs and nasty sugars and stuff. Um, and I felt way better ever since doing that. I feel like way less bloated and just disgusting. So hopefully that kind of carries through after pregnancy too, but that was kind of a blessing in disguise and something that I'm definitely not going to take for granted again if I do happen to have a a second baby, because as much as it sucks not being able to have ice cream every day, it's also way better to feel good and not feel like just a a nasty water balloon. (laughs) That's probably a terrible way of describing it, but... pregnancy things to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's also, it's a lot. Pregnant or not, I feel like every female has felt like a nasty water balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or another. Yeah, it wasn't a great feeling. So now I'm feeling good and and we're right on track. So 
hopefully things are under enough control where I don't have to worry too much about a 10 pound baby. And we stay in that healthy, healthy ballpark. Fingers crossed. I am also five, four. And so I'm imagining being pregnant with a 10 pound baby. So Uh you have nightmares about dolphins. You can blame Mary. And if I have nightmares about that, I'm going to blame you. you guys know my mother-in-law is very petite in size is she shorter than you Angela Kim yeah yeah so she's shorter than 5'4 and her boys I think were both over 10 pounds and then her girl her daughter my sister-in-law she had a c-section on and she's like I don't know why I didn't do this from the beginning (laughs) (laughs) oh poor thing (laughs) that sounds awful on that note too like I think there's probably so much we could go far longer than one episode on all of this, but what is one thing that, you know, you want expecting farm and ranch mamas to know about your journey with Cranbabe? What do you want people listening to know, or like, you know, expecting mothers either pregnant right now or planning to become pregnant in the future? What would you want them to know about your journey? I think the biggest thing I wish I would have known going into this was that you're not alone in this journey. I think I've talked about this before where like I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't have friends that I can just like walk over to their house and just dish out my, my problems. So being kind of secluded in a rural area, you feel like you don't have a support system. Um, so that's a really great thing I found through social media is just kind of talking about my, my feelings and emotions on there, which I normally don't do, but there comes a point where like, you just need to talk to someone. And there are so many people out there that are like, yeah, I know exactly what you're going through. Or like, I know, I know exactly (laughs) what you're feeling. And I know that anxiety, I know that, that unknowing feeling and it, it does suck, but it does get a lot better. I wish I would have known that. I wish someone would have like said that to me is just to reach out to somebody because that's, that's again, that's hard for, I think a lot of farmers too, to ask for help because they're very, we're all very stubborn people. (laughs) If you didn't know that already. Uh, So asking me like you wouldn't stay in business if you weren't. Right. So to just, just kind of take a step back away from yourself and, and put like your mental health ahead of your pride, I think is something that I wish I would have done a lot sooner, especially in just in life in general. Um, But just talking to people about what you're feeling, because there's at least a handful of people out there that are, are willing to listen to you, no matter how big or small you think the problem is. That's so good. We actually, it's funny because we started the Rural Housewives with the intention of, you know, creating community for rural women, because we knew as being rural women, we knew how isolating it can feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. And somehow every episode, somebody's kind of just like mentioned that <laughs> in every episode of the podcast, like, you know, being out in the middle of nowhere, I don't really have any friends. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, I kind of feel isolated. And to be very honest, like I, I guess even when we started, even though we felt that way, I wasn't sure if everybody felt that way. And now I'm pretty sure everybody feels that way. (laughs) Yep. And so that's, and it's so beautiful that we can talk about stuff like this with, I mean, we've never met in person and we're literally, I think what part of Wisconsin are you in? Uh, like West central. So we're probably like two ish thousand miles away from each other, Yeah, but we can talk about this kind of stuff together and we are isolated, but we don't have to feel isolated. Right. And that's kind of why we started our podcast too, is because like it, it almost turned into a little mini therapy session for us every week. We started um, doing like our highs and lows of the week at the beginning of every episode, just so we can let people know, like there's more to life than what we show on social media. Like we have lows every week, like everyone else is not just sunshine and, and unicorns. It is like shitty stuff sometimes. And we just need to like remind people that, yeah, we have good times. And then there's also a lot of bad times every week too. So it's like we say, it's just our little mini therapy each week. Yes. Okay. So since you brought it up, I, we were going to talk about this later, but let's do it now. I'm so excited about it. So let's talk about your podcast forward farming. Mm -hmm. I need everybody to immediately after this episode, go 
first of all, subscribe to Forward Farming and also listen to the Misconceptions episode. That one blew my mind because I am one of those people who thought cranberries grew in water. I now I feel so stupid for thinking that, but I thought that. And then I listened to that episode and Amber set me straight. So here we are. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Literally everyone. That's the whole reason why I started my social media page is because I was just getting sick of people asking me, Oh, what's it like working in water all day? Like, how can you handle, how can you handle that? Don't you get pruny? Like, no. <laughs> what <laughs> a weird what question. Like. <laughs> <laughs> like of all the questions they could ask, that's where their mind goes. Yeah. Do you get pruny? Like, are there dolphins out there? No, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Again with the dolphins. So, okay. So then when you guys decided to start your podcast, what kicked you in the butt to do that originally? Um, so I originally kind of came up with this, um, as like my cranberry chats idea. I wanted to do a podcast before I started my social media page. Um, I told my older brother about this idea that I had and like most older brothers, he shot me down right away. He said it was a terrible idea no one would ever want to listen to your squeaky little voice. Like you're not going to have much to talk about. And I got very discouraged. Uh, So I kind of, I put that in the back of my mind for a while and I started my Instagram page instead. So I wouldn't have to talk as much because I was very self-conscious of my voice. And I just started sharing on Instagram and somehow people found me and, and thought it was interesting. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And then um, I still had this idea of starting a podcast in the back of my head. And I thought, well, true, I probably can't talk about cranberries every week for unlimited amount of time. So what if we just made it a co-host type podcast? And and I found Becca Hilby on Instagram. Um, She's a dairy farmer from Southern Wisconsin. And once I started following her, I realized we had a very similar sense of humor a very similar uh, way of thinking of life. (laughs) And I reached out to her and I said, Hey, would you want to start a podcast with me about being two female farmers um, in Wisconsin and and just kind of turning it into it? It's a shit show. Honestly, like we don't plan anything more than a day in advance. We don't have a script. We don't, we just sit down and we, we used to drink bush light. Like we would just slam beers while we record our <laughs> podcast. Obviously that changed. Um, she got pregnant literally one month before I did her due date is, was literally July 25th and mine is August 25th. So she just had her baby, um, last week. So we haven't been able to drink as many bush lights as we used to but that's coming back pretty soon. (laughs) Uh, So we just kind of sat down and and found a way to record. And ever since then, we've just been kind of laughing and having different farm guests on and it's been a lot of fun. It is. It's so fun to listen to you guys. And you do, I mean, I thought you guys knew each other. You told me you met on Instagram, but like, I thought you guys knew each other. You're, you're, chemistry is like so organic I thought you knew each other in real life like before Instagram um no no idea (laughs) that is so cool well we'll have to have you and Becca back on um at some point you know maybe after like after things calm down after the babies and everything yeah she she has two other kids and they're just so they're just so funny you can usually hear at least one of them in the background of every episode just like screaming or playing with scissors or like some chaos is going down in the background where I just have to like pause it and just start laughing I'm like oh my gosh what am I getting myself into and it was so cute like that the uh misconceptions episode they were like asking if they could have a popsicle or something And they were like, do you want one mommy? And she's like, no, I don't want a popsicle. Like go get your popsicle. Thank you for asking. No, I don't want one. Go get your popsicle. I need like 15 minutes of silence. (laughs) Yeah. That's how she bribes her kids. So every time it's like, just go get an icy. It's fine. Just, just go, just go watch something on TV. Don't kill each other. It's fine. (laughs) That's super funny. I don't have a good way to segue this. So we're just going to dive right in. Um, we're now into the juicy part of the, um, podcast, you guys. Um, I want to know the worst pregnancy advice you've ever gotten. Um, (laughs) 
someone okay so there's this other dairy farmer she was just on our podcast a couple weeks ago we did um we brought like another mom into the mix so we could talk about how we all balance like mom life on the farm and they could give me advice and at some point during the episode she asked if I knew how I was how I wanted my labor to go if I wanted to like watch it happen she's like did you know you can have a mirror down there and I was like what (laughs) why would why would you want that she's like I don't know um she said something like I don't even want to look at it on a normal day why would I want to look at it when it's angry and I was just (laughs) just put like a whole new image in my mind that I didn't even want. (laughs) Uh, So that was probably the worst advice. (laughs) Oh man. I really had to think about that because I, I haven't gotten a lot of like bad advice, but the mirror thing was. Yeah. That one's a little intense. Uh (laughs) Um, Are you a part of any mom groups on Facebook? So I'm a fan of the bachelor, the bachelorette. And there is this one bachelorette. Her name is Caitlin Bristow. I think, do you guys watch The Bachelor? Yeah. Is any relation to you? No. Okay. (laughs) I was like, um, that's a familiar last name. (laughs) Um, But she is co-hosting this season of The Bachelorette. And she has her own podcast. It's called Off the Vine. And um she has like a couple of groups on Facebook and there's a mom group on there that I'm a part of. And they like moms have no shame. Like they just ask the most TMI questions. And I mean, it's very helpful. Like I would have no idea that these were issues. Um, so I'm just a quiet observer in these groups. <laughs> I, I ask because I know my sister has got some, gotten some bad advice. Mm. the mom groups and she's like I just can't I I'm just there now to read everything <laughs> very juicy drama though <laughs> scared of like, the mom oh group. my gosh you bought this stroller you're the worst mom ever do you know how many recalls this thing has had that is exactly what I'm afraid of about like the mom groups on Facebook and stuff like that is like I don't, I'm scared to ask questions in those, like, you know, one day when we get there, I'm scared to join them and scared to ask questions because everybody has a pro and a con for everything, right? Like, yeah, as my grandpa always says, he goes for every study, there's another study. So in other words, like there's always going to be somebody with a positive opinion about the thing. And there's always going to be somebody with a negative opinion about the thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, what part of my personality this is, but I'm kind of, I think I'm just going to like duck under those mom groups, maybe join one for the, you know, the juicy, like just to observe. I already have like imposter syndrome really bad. And I already think that I'm failing at everything all the time. So I'm like the mom group would only verify those fears. Yeah. I would just uh, stick to your friends. If you're, if you're that kind of person, Just have like a couple of friends in your back pocket. Be like, okay, I'm just going to ask you all the questions. I'm going to tell you this up front. Sorry in advance for all the bombarding questions, but I trust you. Yeah. And then those are people you're already kind of on a TMI level with anyway. Mm -hmm. So like when you have to talk about nipple cream, it's like not weird because (laughs) you're already on that level with those people. Well, funny. Okay. So Becca and I, we both had to take iron pills because we're both anemic during this pregnancy because who knew that could be a thing. So you have to take iron and like, it's hard enough to poop while you're pregnant, but when you're taking iron pills on top of that, oh my <laughs> gosh, I can't even imagine. Thumbs because you're dealing with just bitch and heartburn the entire time. I like, guess it's impossible to not like buy stock in Miralex and just drink it every single day. <laughs> so we talk I'm, about that a lot too. So that it's, <laughs> I feel like I should be taking notes. I feel like I need to be taking notes right now. If you ever, if you ever have any questions, I, I have no shame. It's fine. I, I will take you up on that. <laughs> I feel like maybe we should do like a tell all pregnant farm wife type deal. Yeah. We can have it like five episodes, one on pregnancy, one on like breastfeeding, one on the actual birthing process, like all of it. I was just thinking one episode, but I guess we could go through multiple. <laughs> I'm sure there's enough to go through multiple episodes. Yeah. Okay. So we talked a lot about, let me shut my closet door really quick. Um, <laughs> Okay, you've 
You told us, you know, just so much fun stuff um, about working in cranberries and being pregnant. And is there anything else you want to share? Any last piece of advice for anybody who is working on the farm while pregnant? (laughs) I think the biggest piece of advice is give yourself grace. Like for me, it was very hard to do that and, and just respect your body. Just listen to your body. It's going to tell you when it's tired. It's going to tell you when enough is enough. Don't overstep that. Don't ignore those signs because you need, you need a lot of rest, whether you like it or not. Um, so just give yourself grace, give yourself uh, forgiveness because like you're doing great things whether you think you are or not. So just the farm is going to be there. Just, just breathe and everything, everything will be okay. That's really good. That's really good advice. I think for life in general, <laughs> yeah, really good advice. Amber, thank you so much for being with us today. I feel like, you know, we, I, I hope, I know at least at the very least, this conversation has given me a lot more piece about, you know, that, that chapter of life, that season of life. And I know exactly who to call when that (laughs) happened for us. And I just, I hope that I'm sure that uh, others are listening to this, thinking the same things I am, or they're expecting a baby soon. And just so grateful that there's somebody that can relate to some of the things that they're experiencing. So Amber, thank you so much for being here. We can't even tell you how much fun this conversation has been. I can't believe we we laughed for most of it. So, so can't believe this conversation about pregnancy on the farm was so much fun. But thank you again, Amber, for being here. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. And if you do have any other questions, like my DMs are always open. I'm always happy to chit chat with anybody. So just just look me up. Wow. Thank you so much, Amber, for being on this episode. Y'all, we cannot tell you how much we love Amber. We already did, but now getting to actually sit down with her and talk to her and have her share some of her blessings and struggles in this season of pregnancy on the farm. We just admire her so much. If you have any questions for us or for Amber, you can find us at The Rural Housewives on Instagram, and you can find Amber at Cranberry Chats on Instagram. Thank you all for being with us this week. We cannot tell you how much we love and appreciate you for being here. If you want to share your story or connect with us or do a takeover on our Instagram, all you need to do is send us a message. We can't wait to hear from you. Until next week, thanks for being with us on the front porch.